You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. What a joy to be here. Amen. Amen. Pastor Uba, I was so blessed in the worship service. You know, the only person we are allowed to shout to is God. Shout to the Lord. But sometimes we mix it up. We shout at our wives. We shout at our husbands. We shout at our children. That's, your shout is wrongly directed. That's why things are going well. You shout at your wife, you break your home. You shout at your children, you break your relationship. You shout to the Lord, you get stronger. Shout to the Lord. Magnify the name of the Lord. This is our God. When they were going around the walls of Jericho, the shout gave them the victory. Hallelujah. We are not an inferior people. We are God's people. A people set apart. A chosen nation bearing the name of the Lord. My surname is too great. It's the surname of my father. The almighty God. That's why he had me born again. So that I get a new name. And that name is awesome. It's so powerful. We are privileged to be here this morning. I want to share a word of God with you quickly. Are you ready for the word of God? I'm excited about the word of God. Pastor Eric, I love you. Dr. Majachane, I love you. These are my two brothers in this world. I've got two giant brothers by my side. I love them dearly. So may God do you good. And your families for carrying all these souls. You don't know how many nations you are touching. In our church, we have got 24 countries in the church. From Guatemala, Mexico, you see all sorts of people. And God has planted there. Us to be a blessing to the nations. When we grew up in this nation, we didn't know what God was going to do. From the corners of Africa, he has sent us to the world. That's why that word is so true. Pastor Eric was right last week to say, there is something God is cooking here. God's pot is boiling. It's cooking, it's chewing up, ready to serve a pleasant meal to the world. And that meal is your life. That's why today I want to talk about your life. I'll pick it up from what our pastor said last week. I'm so glad I was here. He was talking about the kingdom. And that you must be careful of the living of the Pharisees. Be careful of hypocrisy. That word living also talks about corruption. So today from there, I will bring it from uh, uh, Psalm 51, verse 10b. The prayer of David. And then I will just patch it around and make a debonair's pizza. Praise the Lord. We will pick and choose our topping. But the basis is Psalm 51, where David is praying. But then I want you to understand where we are coming from, where David is coming from here. Let us read that scripture, and then I will try to explain that briefly. Amen, church. He says, they're creating me a clean heart. And he doesn't just stop there. He then says, oh, God. Sorry, when somebody says, oh, there is desperation. Creating me, oh, it means it's deeper in the deeper inner inner. So David is really contending with the Lord. 
And then he says, and renew, I, I, I renew a steadfast spirit within me. I will want it in the other version, which says, and renew a right spirit within me. And then after that, can you give me the next verse, please? Then he says, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. You know, David is making a prayer. He is asking for something I've been... He says, create in me. In other words, the heart that is there, I don't want it anymore. I want a new one. You know, when God created, he brought something that was not into being. So David has a heart that he doesn't want anymore. He says, Lord, I don't want this heart anymore. Create in me a new one. A clean heart. So why was David in there? There is something in your heart that is called your conscience. And your conscience is what gives instructions to your ego. Your conscience is what directs you between what is morally good and what is morally bad. And when your conscience is dirty, it can't pick up the signals. So David realized in his heart he wasn't picking up the signals to make good judgment. And then he says, Lord, I'm in trouble if I carry on like this. If I want to be continuing as a man after God's heart, I need a new heart. Create in me, Lord. So I'm talking to you this morning, church, about the blessing of a clean conscience. I want you to pour a glass of water for yourself. Please, please, sorry to disrupt this person. Just open a bottle and pour some glass some water into a glass. I want you to understand what the conscience is. Your conscience is like a glass of clean water. Your conscience is like a glass of clean water. You know, if I take this water because it's clean and I pass it to my mother and I say drink, You will be drunk easily if your conscience is clean. That's why Jesus Christ stood in the streets of Jerusalem. He says, if there is anybody that is thirsty, come to me and drink. For my conscience is clean. I'm like clean water. But when your conscience is affected by what the Pharisees do, it becomes dirty. I want to show you something else about your conscience. So that from today, you learn to protect your conscience. It's your SIM card to the presence of God. It's your SIM card to the Holy Ghost. When your conscience is scratched, the Holy Ghost can't pick up a signal. So we are talking about a clean conscience. This is what happens. When your conscience or the living of the Pharisees affect your conscience. Can you hold this for me, Pastor? Clean as it is, when stuff comes into your heart, it messes up. It may sit at the top, but it begins to go down. It begins to seep down. Your conscience is too dirty to pick up. But then this is just coffee. If you put soil, ho-hos, and all that stuff inside there, you spit inside and I say, drink. 
you will not drink. Many places we are not received as believers because our conscience is dirty. We have been sent to a world that must receive us. That is why when you become a believer, the Bible says in Corinthians, it says, all things must go away and behold, all things must become new. It's not your head that becomes new. It's not your nose that becomes new. It's not your toes that become new. It's not your eyes that become new. There is something inside and that is your conscience. That's what God clears so that you can be drunk and accepted wherever you are. That's why when we see David here, he says, Lord, I have allowed my conscience to be messed up. I don't have good judgment anymore. I don't draw the line well anymore. Remember, we're supposed to be trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. Your conscience guides you towards righteousness. It guides you towards holiness. It guides you towards peace. But if your conscience has been affected, your judgment is wrong. And you know, with time, sometimes when you put dirt in a glass of water, it settles down and it sits at the bottom. And the water looks like clean on top. That is why when you shake the bottle, you say, ah, it's dirty again. That's why there are some people, you work with them, you find they are beautiful, they are lovely. But something happened. You know they changed it. What happened? It was sitting at the bottom. It was sitting at the bottom. It was sitting at the bottom. What is sitting at the bottom of your heart today? What is sitting at the bottom? Because when you are tested, it will come up again. That's why our pastor says, what is secret shall be revealed. When it comes up, it means it had been affected already. That's why David said, I understand this heart. There is too much in it. I cannot afford to be a good king as they are. Creating me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. You know, when your conscience is dented, you begin to have a bad spirit. A wrong spirit. And when you have a wrong spirit, you are not in unity with other believers. And when you are not in unity with other believers, God does not bless your congregation. Because he commands a blessing where there is unity. Now, if your conscience is not clean, you begin to have a wrong attitude. So David says, create in me a right spirit. And then after that, renew attitudes can be renewed. But your conscience must be recreated. That is why Nicodemus was told, unless a man is born again. When you get born again, you are given a second chance with your conscience. My brother, your conscience is delicate. It's your antenna to navigate your life with God in this world. So if your conscience is seared, you can't pick up. That's why the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. But if your conscience is affected, the Spirit don't know where to hold. The Spirit doesn't know where to hold. That's why he says, 
Take not away your spirit from me. When your conscience is seared and you don't work with it, God takes away his spirit from you. Samson had the spirit of God. But when he disobeyed, he did not make the right judgment. His conscience did not lead him right. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord lifted out of his life. King Saul had the spirit of God upon him. But when his conscience was not well looked after, the spirit of the Lord left him. But we hear about Jesus when he is baptized. The Bible says when he came out of the water... The Holy Ghost came upon him like a dove and it set on him. There is no scripture where we see that spirit flying off from Jesus anymore. That's why when John saw him coming, he says, Behold the Lamb of God without spot, without blemish, with a clean conscience. Jesus came to the world clean and he left this world clean. Jesus came to this world clean, and he left this world clean. He knew the importance of his conscience. Pastor, I'm just going to make a, 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 a pizza right now. I won't go to my notes. I'll make a pizza. I want to flow by the Spirit. Do you know when you understand your conscience, you will protect it? What does the proverb, book of Proverbs say? Guard your heart. With all deal, for out of it, for out of it. So the issues of life are in your heart. In the Bible, Paul actually says, you, some of you have a conscience that is seared with a hot iron. How many of you gentlemen have had a pair of trousers and you are trying to iron it to go and shine for your girlfriend and you, you burn it and you put a patch on it there? You know, it's not wearable anymore. You don't take pride in wearing a trousers with a patch. You don't take pride when your trousers is seared. It's affected. It loses its originality. When your conscience is seared, you lose your godliness. You lose your godliness. But how does your conscience get seared? Your company. That's why they say bad company corrupts good morals. Why did the Bible teach us forgive? Forgive, because unforgiveness is number one toxic to the conscience. Number one, why did Jesus, in the midst of the pain and the, the way they treated him on the cross, why did he say, Father, forgive them? He knew my conscience is much more valuable than the rubbish that they are doing. That's why he says, they don't know what they are doing. So many of us make a mistake because we don't know the value of our conscience and we hold grudges. We take revenge. Jesus Christ says they don't know what they are doing. Why do you allow the ignorance of people to kill your destiny? Because you don't know the value of your conscience. Your conscience is too critical for you. That's the only thing nobody can steal from you. That's the only thing nobody can take away from you. God put your conscience in you as his connectivity with him. So many of us, because we don't understand that we need a clean conscience, we are busy bad-mouthing there. We are busy. You are putting coffee into your soul. You are spoiling your clean glass of water. And when God looks at you, he can't use you. 
The blessing of a clean conscience. This is what the church needs. You know, Peter, you know, some, some of us, when we read the Bible, we, 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 don't, we don't get it. You know, is it Matthew? When Peter came to Jesus, he says, Master, how many times must I forgive my brother if he sins again? You think Peter was just making a riddle he didn't have anything to do? Peter had an issue with this brother. Peter had a serious issue that required Jesus to sort out. It was not small, my brother. So don't just read that Peter said how many times. It was a big issue. Peter goes to Jesus for help. He says, Jesus, I've got something that is troubling me. How many times? How many times? Must I forgive one time? Must I forgive? It's a big issue. Must I forgive two times? Three times? Four times? Peter thought he had done well to up. How many times did he go? Seventh? Jesus Christ says, no, 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 Peter. You don't understand what's at stake. What's at stake is your conscience. And as far as your conscience is concerned, do whatever is required to keep it clean. If it means 70 times, 7 times in one day, it's worth much more doing than letting your conscience go. If you understood the value of your conscience, even if it means forgive them a billion and a trillion times, it's to your advantage. Because once you lose your conscience, you have lost God in you. Because some people say conscience is the God in you. So David is coming here after the story of Bathsheba. He has messed up with Bathsheba. But I just want to show you an account before when David's conscience was clear and he could make proper moral decisions. Let's look at the book of Samuel quickly. And then you will realize that it's easy for you to lose your conscience if you are not careful. And when you lose your conscience, you have lost your connectivity with God. And as a church, we can't afford to do that. Praise the Lord somebody. Put 1 Samuel 24 verses 4 to 7. I want to show you a situation that happens when your conscience is intact. And this is David and his men. Saul has really ill-treated devil. You know, you remember that. How many have been ill-treated before? How many have been treated badly by people before? What did you do? Some of you, you spoke back. Some of you, you hit back. Some of you, you plotted back. Some of you, you cursed your mother. This, your mother. This, your mother. You know when this thing, when we try, when we begin bringing your mother. That's what we do. You start all those things, your mother's shoulders, your mother's head, your mother's nose. We begin that language. Because we, 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 we are angry. I don't know why, 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 why we don't talk about ourselves. You bring your mother. Because when you bring your mother, it rubs more into the salt. And it brings, sets the stage for a fight. You call me by my mother, you are calling a fight. By the time you got there, your conscience is gone. Your conscience is gone. Hallelujah. I don't know in West Africa. In Africa, if I want to deal you right, I call you by your mother. It's the same. So you see, Africans are the same everywhere. They came from the same mother. Praise the Lord. So David 
had a reason to cut Saul's throat. You know, sometimes you have a reason, but God says vengeance is mine. Why? Because he wants you to remain intact in your relationship with him. So David here, the man of David said to him, this is the day which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand. They had found Saul. And then that you may do to him as it seems good to you. My brothers, we don't do what seems good to us. We do what seems good to our father. Whenever you find yourself doing what seems good to you, your conscience is at risk. And your relationship with the father is under threat. There is ISIS on the door. It's a suicide vest. Watch out. Watch out. Your conscience is too delicate. And then he says, and David rose secretly. Do you see David took the bait a little bit? They found Saul sleeping. And they say, ah, David, God has given him to you. Finish him off. How many have been there before? You think, this is God. This is God. This is God. And you have a group of people that encourage, ah, God has given. These are the prayers that are. You see an old woman walking, she drops her purse. You have been praying for money the night before. And when you pick out the purse, you find there is exactly the amount you have been praying for. And you say, oh, the Lord has answered my prayer. This is what David was experiencing here. You can see who dropped the purse. So your conscience is under threat. Do you keep it or you give it away? Conscience is about good judgment. So yeah, there are voices. Your conscience is like a magnet. It's highly sensitive. It picks up stuff quickly. So that's why you need to rubber coat your magnet. Rubber coat your magnet so that it doesn't just pick up anything. Some of us, we are too open to anything that comes. That's why we lose our work. And David arose secretly. And then what did he do? He cut off a corner of rob. Do you see there was still fear in David? Actually, he cut off the rob. He should have cut off the throat. So his conscience was still intact. He would have said a lot of words there. But the conscience was still alive. Do you know our words that we do? His conscience, and lift up the verse, please. Go to verse. Now it happened afterward. Look at this. It happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he cut the rope. My brother, David was clean here. David was clean here. David was clean here. David was clean. He's just troubled by cutting a piece of cloth. His conscience was intact. Just cutting. He did not sleep. When last did your conscience take away your sleep from you? That's the measure. That's the measure that your conscience is still intact. When last did your conscience trouble you when you answered and gave a false answer? If you find yourself sleeping throughout, your conscience is gone. Because they say there is no pillow as soft as a clean conscience. They say you cannot kid your conscience. 
You can't kid your conscience. Your conscience will face you when nobody is there. Your conscience is the true judge of your soul because it's got the greatest judge, God, inside. When your conscience is clean, your judgment is right. This was David when his conscience was clean. But fast forward, fast forward. When he has enjoyed the power of ruling, the power of authority. You know the pastor talks about, talked about the living of the Pharisees. We don't have Pharisees here today. But there are things that are our living where we are. David's living was his power. He sent his men to war and he remained at home. And then the Bible says in the evening he got out of his bed. He was sleeping with Pastor Fatima, with Pastor Uba, with Sister Edith. You were sleeping with your wife and the Bible says he woke up from his bed in the evening. He left his wife in bed and he walked on top of a roof. And the Bible says that's where he saw Bathsheba. And the Bible says when he looked at her, she was beautiful. And David did not think about the small piece of shit that he cut now. He is now going for the jugular. Because his conscience is dead. And then he finds somebody. You will always have friends that help kill your conscience. You will always have people around you that will help. That's why you need to choose your friends wisely. What are your friends saying to protect your conscience? Because he sent this guy. He says, who, he found, who is that guy? Then the guy came back. This is Bathsheba. This is Uriah's wife. This is the daughter. He was given the entire history. Such that if his conscience was alive... He would have quickly run back to his wife because he left her in bed. Whatever he needed, he left. So your, if a dead conscience will make you leave what you have, and you look for what's not yours, thinking it shall be covered. It starts with your conscience. That's why the blessing of a clean conscience I will carry you through to say how valuable it is for believers. So, and then he says, bring her here. This man should have refused. No, king, I won't be party to that because I already told you it's Uriah's wife. It's this and that. It's, king, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. But you will have people who will help you bring you down. That's why choose your friends wisely. So this man went and picked up Bathsheba. And he brought him to David. And he stood guard. David slept with him, with her. And he released her. My brothers, this didn't happen in 30 minutes. There was time for David to reconsider. If your conscience is alive, you learn to reconsider. If you find you don't reconsider, your conscience is gone. You need to pray Psalm 51. The story doesn't end there. And then Bathsheba sent word, I'm sure through the same postman. So don't be a postman to kill other people's conscience. 
Don't be the postman of conscience killers. She sent word because she wouldn't have sent somebody new. She sent the one that she knew. The one who brought her into the picture. Hey, go and tell David I'm pregnant. How many? We have a gynecologist here. Can you tell you are pregnant within 30 minutes of uh, action? There is time. It took time. This report came after some time. And where, when David heard that he is pregnant, he tried to bring it. Do you see the scheming is beginning to come? Dead conscience. Schemers don't have conscience. But we don't need schemers in the church. We have them in the church. We have schemers. There are churches that kill one another for the pulpit. Say the blessing of a clean conscience. I'll show you where it comes from in two scriptures. But you see, David then sent for Uriah to come and set him up. How many know that we do these things sometimes? And do you know that Uriah was not in Centurion? They were not fighting in Centurion here. They were fighting far, far, far away. It took days and weeks for him to come back. David could still have considered. But he didn't. The conscience was dead. When Uriah come, came, he told him, go home and, and sleep with your wife. Uriah went and slept outside. His conscience was clear. He says, my friends are fighting. I can't be having romantic times with my wife when other men are under threat. Uriah's conscience was intact. If the conscience was dead, he would have seen it as a favor from the Lord, favor from the king. But Uriah's conscience was intact. If your conscience is right, you can say no to certain pleasantries. That's why the apostle says, all things are lawful for me, but I shall not be brought under the power of any. When your conscience is gone, you are under the power all the time. Under the power. Under the power. Under the power. Under the power. You lose guidance. So Uriah's conscience, he refuses. He says, I'm not going to do that. When other men are under threat, David was happy to stay in his house. If you check before, David always went to fight with them. Once he sent them to fetch him waters from Bethlehem, from the gates, he could not drink it. He says, my men risked their life. I can't drink this water. His conscience was still intact. Don't watch your conscience go. Because it's not, many, it's not always that God recreates hearts. How many do know that? Other than David, I have not heard of anybody else. So to cut the story short, David was caught out, as Pastor said last week. And then he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit. Take not away your spirit from me. You know that word heart in the Hebrew is the word lab. The word lab means heart attitude. It means your soul. Your attitude. In other words, David realized that his attitude had gone wrong. So your conscience brings back your attitude to order. 
it resets your attitude where it belongs. Because the instructions in your conscience, that's where your ego is. So if your ego, if your conscience is dead, the ego can't be moderated. The conscience is the moderator of your ego. That's why Jesus Christ, even though he was God, he did not find it robbery to be equal with God. His conscience brought him under. Submission requires a live conscience. If your conscience is not alive, you can't submit. So that word is the word attitude. So David was saying, your attitude can be affected by stories. What people say. Uh, complaints, criticism, memoring, all those things can affect your attitude. And Jesus talks about our attitudes in Matthew 5. They are called be attitudes. The attitudes that you should be like in the kingdom. And one of those attitudes talks about the blessing of a clean conscience. I want to read that one and then we'll round up quickly. I, will, I, I just We'll round quickly, but I want you to get that. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus is connecting with David in this prayer. Are you in Matthew chapter 5? Right. These are the attitudes of the kingdom. Be attitudes. And then when he saw the multitudes, he started to teach them. And then I want to look at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Do you see that blessing there? Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those that hunger. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed, number eight, are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. The blessing of a pure conscience or a clean heart helps your view for God all the time. The pure in heart shall see God. The blessing of a clean conscience means your glass is so clear, you can see God. You can see Satan. You can see the wrong. You can tell who is God, who is not God. You are rightly connected. If you have a clean conscience, the blessing is that you can see God. That's what David said in Matthew, in, in Psalms 24. David, what shall say? Who shall ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who shall ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Let's look at Psalm 24. A clean conscience will help you ascend into the presence of God. And how many know that when you are in the presence of God, you are set? Hallelujah. So we have seen that there is a blessing there. Look at this there. I'll take it. Verse 3. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. A pure heart is conscience, a clean one. Who has not lifted up his soul in idol, nor sown deceitfully. Look at verse 5. He shall receive blessing from the Lord. You shall receive blessing. There is something known as the blessing of a clean conscience. You will receive it from the Lord. When Stephen was stoned, the Bible says as the stones were hanging, landing on his face, the Bible says, behold, heavens were opened. 
and Stephen saw. And Stephen saw. I want us to look at what did Stephen see. And what made Stephen see this. And then I'll conclude with Nathaniel. The Bible says Stephen saw Jesus. But he didn't just see Jesus. It says Stephen saw Jesus standing. He was standing where? At the right hand of God. So Stephen saw God. For him to say this is his right hand. He saw God. 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 And Jesus standing at his right hand. That's why I love the men of God who make me see they are God too. I love the men of God who make me see they are God sitting on the throne. Stephen saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So how many people did Stephen see? Two. God and Jesus. And according to Jesus in Matthew 5, the pure in heart shall see God. How many want to see God? You can see God too. You can see God too. You can see God too. But how did Stephen see God when stones were landing on him? He didn't call them by their mother. He didn't wish them dead. He didn't curse them. He didn't bind them. When he saw those stones, he says, Father, forgive them. I want my conscience to be pure. What I'm seeing is far more precious than the pain that I'm going through. What I am seeing is much more valuable. Almighty God. This is nothing compared to what I am seeing. This is nothing compared to what I am seeing. When you see God, there is no pain in the world that can take away your conscience. And that's where we need to go. Stephen was ready to say, like Jesus, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Don't allow the ignorance of people to kill your conscience. Don't allow it. Don't allow it. Stephen says, no. Forgive them. Many of us struggle in that area. That's why forgiveness is not part of the Ten Commandments. You have got to learn it's a choice to see the Lord. It's a choice to ascend the mountain. It's a choice to forgive. But when you choose that path, there is a reward at the end, which is the blessing. Of that lifestyle. When Jesus saw Nathaniel, when Jesus, I think it's the book of John, chapter one, he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed with no guile. In other words, he says, Here is an Israelite who has a clean conscience. And if you read those verses down there in John towards the end, and then Jesus said, He says, Wow, how did you know that Jesus said to him, from today you shall see heavens ascending up and down upon the Son of God. You shall see God. 
Read the account. Read the account. That's why Paul, Paul, Peter, all these guys who lived with Jesus understand that. I like the account of Paul in Acts 24, verse 16. Pastor Uba, I'm going to close with this. This is a, I'm, I'm sure we have a, we'll have a lot of time to finish it. Acts 24. I want to leave you with the attitude of Paul when he understood this. Acts chapter 24, verse 16. Listen to what Paul says. Listen to what Paul says. And then I will want it in the NIV as well. So this is Paul. He says, this being so, understanding the importance of a clean conscience, I strive always. I strive always to keep my conscience clear. Not just before God, but before men too. What are you striving for always? He says, I strive. He doesn't just strive always. Because your conscience is too delicate to lose. You need it for God to connect with you. You need it to have an impact. You need it to make good judgment. You need it to be the salt of the earth. You need it to be the light. Paul says, I strive always. Always. And my brother, always means always. How many times must I forgive my brother when he sins against me? If it means a thousand times a day for the same thing, do it. So many of us have actually sold our conscience for cheap. We saw Esau sold his birthright for just a stew. Your conscience, my brothers, is too delicate. You need that. It's a blessing that will mark you different in the whole world. That's why Jesus said, when we come to him, we are new creatures. You know, the new creature is the soul inside because God looks into the heart. When God deals with you, it doesn't matter what your face is because we can change our faces. Plastic surgery, you can't do soul surgery. Doctors can't touch that area. It's God's arena. That's what God works on. Conscience. So we need to pray as a church. We need to strive like Paul. Always. To keep a clean conscience between what? God and man. Why man? Because man, God is in man. He is the image of God. So both of them, our conscience must be clear. For many of us, we are clear to try and have a clear conscience with God. But John tells us, you can't love God whom you don't see when you fail to love men that you live with day by day. So your conscience has to be both with God and men. It must be clear. That's why also Paul says, oh, no man, nothing except because your conscience is too delicate. That's your prize. That's your prize. I want you to reclaim it today. Amen. Call it back. Amen. Ask God to clear you. Amen. Ask God to wash you up. 
Your conscience is your powerhouse into this life. Come on, let's rise up to our feet. We want to pray. We want to pray. We want to pray. We want to pray. I'll ask Pastor Fatima to help us to pray. We want to pray. Your conscience is critical for your faith and the goodwill of this earth. You need to call it back. Don't let it go. Hallelujah. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.